0: Space aliens
1: The demotion of Pluto
0: The Schumacher cut of Batman Forever
1: Walt Disney's frozen head
0: What do all of these things have in common?
1: Stay tuned, because the truth is out there. It's Sunday
0: Hello and welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rocking good time talking about all your favorite movie soundtracks. My name is Joseph Wade. I'll be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight, as always, is my lovely and belligerent co-host Libby Codemore. Libby, I want to believe.
1: Well, tonight you're going to. You're not going to have a choice after we get through tonight's album.
0: Which is...
1: We are talking about the soundtrack to The X-Files, Fight the Future.
0: Yeah, a a 1998 soundtrack to maybe the most 1998 movie ever made.
1: Yes, uh, technically this one is called The X-Files, The Album.
0: Right. Because it only has
1: three songs that were somewhat in the movie
0: yeah so we're mostly going to be talking about the album we'll talk about the x-files as kind of a larger phenomenon around it but we're going to really be concentrating on just the album tonight um but also you know to quote the most 1998 song ever you know you know our our situation tonight we're watching x-files with no lights on we're don LeMay's on and i hope the smoking man's in this one (laughs)
1: well he is all our favorites are in this one now this is also not to be confused with songs in the key of x music from and inspired by the x files which was the soundtrack to the series
0: right yes and we can def- we could definitely circle back around and do that album at some point if we sh- we should just do an entire season where we just do tv soundtracks
1: maybe in our 90s <laughs> cuz <'Cause> they were <laughs> yeah. a big thing
0: that's true that's really true yeah. um so before we get into the X Files, let's go back and t- go back in time a little bit uh, to our our poll from the Tank Girl episode, which we both had an absolutely wonderful time with. Oh, that I, was I so much fun. Uh, but we asked our our Twitter pals uh, on Twitter at OST Party. We asked you t- uh, to tell us which of the four songs that we chose was the best song from the Tank Girl soundtrack. And with forty five and a half percent, it was Devo's "Girl You Want" that won. Kinda that kind of
1: surprised me.
0: Me too. Uh, Tied for second was uh, the Joan Jett and Paul Westerberg cover of Let's Do It, Let's Fall in Love with 27.5% and uh, Ice-T's Big Gun. Now, (laughs) well, the Scott Weiland song, Mockingbird Girl, got a big old goose egg. Nobody liked it. (laughs)
1: Oh, I liked it.
0: I like it fine, but uh, against the rest of these, it's, yeah, come on. But at the end of this episode, uh, we will be putting up another poll. As long as Twitter holds out, we'll be doing these polls. Yes. So follow us on Twitter, at OST Party, and we will uh, ask you what the best song on this, the X-Files soundtrack is.
1: The truth is out there for what, the what truth, our best song the is. You're just gonna, we're just going to keep
0: repeating that. The time. truth will be out there at some point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So Libby, uh, tell me about your experience with the X-Files. Oh
1: God, where to even begin? I'm... I was obsessed with the X-Files. Now, I wasn't the target audience. I was a 14-year-old girl. But there there were plenty of us who watched the X-Files. Um, I don't remember when I got into it. But my friend Jess uh, was also super into the X-Files. And we would call each other up uh, like an hour before the show. And like talk about it. And then... I would sit in the dark and watch it like in the living room. I would be the last person up. I think it ran um, probably about 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday night. And mm-hmm. so I'd be staying up late and watching the X-Files. The thing is, I remember nothing about the show. I remember one episode, the episode Small Potatoes, um, where there's a shapeshifter who impregnates all these women and their babies are all born with tails. That is the only thing I remember from... <laughs> The X-Files at all. I watched it for several years and remember nothing about it, which is insane. I did write fan fiction about it, um, which I found a few years ago, and it was, you know, complete cringe, as is oh anything boy. you write at 14. Of course. Um, but it was kind of my first forays into crime writing.
0: But well, so your your uh, your origin story, as it were.
1: A, a little bit. Um. <laughs> I didn't recognize it as such, um, but when I went back and looked at it, I'm like, oh, okay. So this has always kind of been been in the background. But I think, of course, the most important part of my love of the X-Files was my absolute rampant crush on David Duchovny. Because he was probably the hottest human being who had ever existed at that time. He was like the like 1990s Clive Owen, where you're just like, how is a human being that fucking handsome? Like that jawline? Oh, my God. And he graduated from Princeton? Oh, my God. Like he, I can't even with this man. He was too hot.
0: He may have been engineered by Hollywood. We don't know.
1: Yeah, like the truth is out there. Like about David Duchovny's jawline. <laughs> he's not from this earth. I swear to God. He's he's what the government is keeping us from us. Our David, yeah. Our David Duchovny technology.
0: It's only advanced so much in the last twenty years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. And there's Uh, there's more to come. I won't spell all of it. Um, But Joe, what about you?
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be a a, a big Libby episode tonight. I I can feel it already. Um, So here's the thing. Uh, Never actually watched an episode of The X-Files before in my life. This seems like the kind of thing I would be all over in the 90s, right? Uh, But I just, I don't know. For whatever reason, it just, I never got around to it. Having said that, seen the movie multiple times.
1: (laughs) That's weird because this is only the second time I've watched it.
0: I remember this being a big uh, HBO movie back in the day. Like, this was telling okay. on HBO, and I was just like, well, oh, I got to watch it. <laughs>
1: Look at me. I'm Joe. I had HBO. I know, right? I'm a fancy boy.
0: <sighs> so, like, I, I was familiar with the X-Files movie because, like, I had seen it a dozen times when it came out, you know, in 98. Hadn't watched it since. So, I was excited to come back to it. And, man, there's some weird nostalgia going on with this movie. It's
1: very weird. It was very weird watching it now as an adult. Um, yeah. Because I definitely now, had different feelings about it um, as a teenager.
0: Yeah, That's I'll bet. Oh, I'll do. bet so. Yeah. Now, one one more question. I have to ask, where where did you watch the X-Files movie for this?
1: Uh, I watched it on Amazon. Okay. Where did you watch it?
0: Fun story. Uh, so one of my neighbors posted on our neighborhood Facebook group a couple weeks ago. that They were throwing out an entire box of DVDs. Does anybody want them before the garbage man picks them up? So I ran over to their house and picked up this giant box out of a literal dumpster. Took it home, started rifling through it, and lo and behold, there's a copy of the X Files movie. Way we had already. I guess they didn't uh, have HBO either. bad uh, maybe not. But we had already announced we were doing the X Files movie next, and like I found the copy of the movie in literally in the trash. It was meant to be. It was,
1: <laughs> and you know. All their stuff is going to be taken off streaming and one day they're going to come over and knock on the door and you'll be able to give that block speech from Raiders of the Lost Ark.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I have all the power.
0: Exactly. You see, there is
1: nothing you possess which I cannot take away.
0: <laughs> well, that's 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 uh, what's-his-face over at Disney now. Because you know what? Disney owns the X-Files.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's weird because uh, the movie... Was on Amazon, and a couple other places, but the show is on Hulu, right? So uh, we, I went back and and watched the pilot, and it, it held up surprisingly well.
0: See now, now I feel like it's probably the time for me to go back and actually give this show a fair shake.
1: Yeah, it's a, extremely nineties,
0: but well, I mean, it's it's the kind of nineties nostalgia that I think I'm I'm like hardwired for. Like it's gonna hit me, you know, in a weird way. And even the movie, like watching it now in in twenty twenty three is extremely strange because some of the like 90s conspiracy theory stuff hits different this this it time hits around, doesn't it?
1: Very different.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll get into that a little bit too. Um but hey, uh, before we get into any of that, how about some billboarding school? All right. So the soundtrack was released June 2nd, 1998. Debuted on the Billboard 200 uh, at number 30 on June 20th. The number one album that week was Master P's MP The Last Dawn. Top soundtracks at numbers 3, 4, and 5 on the charts. City of Angels, Godzilla, and Hope Floats.
1: Christ Almighty.
0: This was a fun time for soundtracks because it was just... Literally everything was crashing the charts right now.
1: Yeah, oh God. Godzilla, are. <sighs> our-
0: Our our Mm -hmm. arch nemesis, Godzilla.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Roland Emmerich's Godzilla, which we'll we'll talk about him in a minute, too. Uh, (laughs) It lasted 10 weeks on the charts, peaked at number 26, and then slowly dropped off over the course of the summer. Uh, When it fell off in August, the number one album was Snoop Dogg's uh, The Game Is To Be Sold, Not To Be Told. And the top soundtrack at number two, you guessed it, Armageddon.
1: God, no. (laughs) I'm...
0: Oh, that boy. said,
1: uh, this movie, because it was like that big, stupid summer, uh, if you can find the second annual Mystery Science Theater 3000 Summer Blockbuster Review, they do riff The X-Files.
0: Yes. Yes. They and
1: do. I discovered halfway through watching uh, this movie that there is a Riff tracks riff of it
0: oh, with
1: boy. Mary Jo Peel and Bill Corbett. And I was kind of sad that I didn't uh, get to watch that.
0: Oh, that would have been so good. Yeah. I know.
1: I know. <laughs> but I, I kind of wanted to recreate the, the feeling of watching the X-Files as someone who loved it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so
1: I'll go back. I think I could stand to watch this again um, with a riff tracks. So um, I just want to note that um, the soundtrack did receive pretty positive reviews. Uh, my buddy, mm-hmm. Stephen Thomas Earl one, um, said it was the best alt rock soundtrack of the summer of 1998.
0: And, you know, I believe it, too. Like, he's not wrong.
1: Oh, this album definitely has
0: a very, very
1: late 90s feel. Mm-hmm. It really, it it has everything that's going on musically at the time. It kind of brings it all together while yeah, maintaining least, a at sense. At least in the
0: rock, I'm sorry, at least in the yep. rock universe, for yes. sure.
1: Yes, yes. But we're bringing in um, some electronic elements, Yes. Near the end, some house. Um, but it also manages to maintain an X-Files feel to it. Like, it's kind of, it's very, it's a lot of minor keys. It's very spooky. It's very, like, slow and uh, kind of unsettling.
0: Yeah, a lot of the songs are kind of downbeat. A lot of them are very, have kind of an ominous feel to them.
1: Uh, it's it keeps the movie's vibe. In a lot of really different and subtle ways, as we'll talk about, mm-hmm. um, and I think it, it kind of reminded me of the crow in that way. Like it mirrored the tone of the
0: movie. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good call. And and two, something else that, that's just now occurring to me: like the movie itself and the soundtrack have like there's no sense of humor to any of it all. It, it's it takes itself like completely seriously.
1: It's it's at a point in the X-Files that's moving away from kind of the monster of the week. Mm Because some X-Files episodes are very funny. Small Potatoes is a very funny episode. And Fox Mulder is very, like, has always has a quip and he can be very silly. So the movie, a little less so. And I, I think that was why some fans don't love it.
0: Right, because I know they, they were trying to use this as a springboard to like turn the X Files into like a movie franchise, which didn't really pan out.
1: No, and then we got the next one um, many, many, many years later. Right. Um, I want to believe, which to, to give you a sense of how far those movies are apart, they, they came out 10 years apart. I had just started dating my ex when I saw the X Files fight the future, and I had just moved in with my now husband. Like, moved into our first apartment when I saw I Want to Believe. <laughs> there was a whole lifetime in there.
0: Yeah, like, I was, when the first one came out, I was entering the seventh grade. And when the second one came out, I had just graduated college.
1: Like, that's, that's an insane passage of time.
0: Yeah. Like... We lived
1: whole lives between X-Files movies.
0: Exactly. Not just that, but then the the split between the second X-Files movie and then the last couple of seasons is almost exactly as long. Oh
1: my god, I forgot there were other seasons. Yeah. I think this movie actually made me quit watching the X-Files, but we'll get into that.
0: I you know, I can I can buy that. Like this does feel like it really does kind of feel like the X Files finale because it's, it's like, as from everything that I know about the X Files, it's like everything that they're trying to do in the movie answers a lot of the questions that the show constantly worried about. So, yeah, yeah. we we'll
1: get into. Shall we we'll uh, dive get in?
0: into that? Yeah, let's do it. Um, um, so yeah, that's all I got for Billboarding School. So now let's jump straight into the soundtrack. And we want to go straight, you know, track by track.
1: Yeah. Um, before we uh, go into each song um, this album was produced by our friend david was of was not was oh nice of course wrote walk the dinosaur which we've talked
0: about twice yeah definitely
1: our um super mario brothers episode and our flintstones episode um a lot of the songs here are either covers of songs Mm -hmm. or re-recordings of songs that a band had already uh produced
0: right and also like, a lot of a lot of artists that we've we've uh, seen before on the show mm-hmm.
1: we have a lot of uh, returning guests tonight
0: definitely i'm ex- I'm excited but I'm also not excited because the first song on this album is <sighs> god
1: cover of three dog nights one by a filter yeah let's go to a clip
0: one
1: is a
0: Well this fucking sucks.
1: God, this is a really bad way to open the album. And it like starts off really cool cuz it's got those like electronic pulses. Yeah. And you're like, "Oh, this is going to be neat." And then it gets bad.
0: It just becomes a filter song and it's yeah. just he's just screaming the lyrics to one and, and what are we doing here?
1: Go ahead, knock off. Like we're in that era.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Everyone's trying to be Tom York um it's whiny it's really terrible um it sounds almost like proto muse like i hate to say that because i do love muse but Mm -hmm. um that's the closest i can i can say and again we've talked about this before the 90s were really the era of the ironic 70s cover and this is just one more in that basket
0: and and not to mention that but also like the the rise of new metal and this is very much a part of that (laughs) Yeah. so we're, we're
1: starting we're, we're edging into that
0: like I'm, I'm gonna go ahead go out on a limb and say this is probably the worst opening track of any album we've ever covered
1: yeah you aren't wrong um
0: like it almost made me want to just swear off the entire project <laughs> i'm i mean I'm we, we did get through,
1: through uh smash mouth doing do it again
0: true i mean if we can if we can survive that we can do anything but like god it was, what an awful way to start an album
1: it was really bad. Mm. Um now this as we said only 3 songs appear in the film proper but um Mulder quotes this one in the bar.
0: He does. That's right. While a different while a completely different song is playing.
1: Yes, which we'll get to. Um but he's just like super drunk and still mm. hot. Um somehow and it's just like complaining about how no one listens to him and he's spooky and a conspiracy. They're like every drunk guy, you know, right. Um, and did you, he,
0: did you recognize the bartender? I didn't. It's, it's Glenn Headley. It's Tess Trueheart from Dick Tracy.
1: No. Yeah. I knew I recognized her and I thought it might be Christine Cavanaugh who was in small potatoes, but I was like, how do I know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. We are really in the nineties. Okay.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, poor girl. <laughs>
0: and yeah. He's just unloading like basically his entire, his entire worldview on her and he's
1: just like, you're cut off, dude. Yeah,
0: You're, you're done, bud.
1: Um, but he she says, you know, 86 is your lucky number. And he says mm-hmm. one is the loneliest number, which um, apparently was something that David Duchovny ad libbed. Nice. And as such, David was went out and commissioned this cover. So if David Duchovny had just said his fucking lines. We wouldn't have this
0: okay i take it back not nice
1: (laughs) say your fucking lines dude don't make this hard for the rest of us i don't care that you're hot
0: yeah (laughs) but that's also there's only two or three songs on here that i know are like aside from two or three of the songs on this album pretty much everything is original to this album in one way or another i guess in that much that's pretty cool that david was was able to like go out and just get this get this done so quickly but uh was it worth you it? You couldn't
1: find any other band. Like there was nobody. Like what? What was Hole doing at this time?
0: Yeah, and two. This is the second 1998 movie we've talked about that has covered one because we also talked about the the uh, the Amy Mann version for Magnolia. That's right. Yeah.
1: So yeah, why not get Amy Mann?
0: Yeah, just you know what? Take well, the, Michael get, Penn. Get the song. Just do it.
1: Just get somebody <laughs> who isn't filter. Oh my god.
0: If you're yeah, if, if you're gonna get if you're gonna get filter to do anything, just go straight to the source and hire Trent Reznor.
1: <laughs> God.
0: Good lord. We we've bagged on uh Filter enough. Let's let's move on.
1: So do you wanna give a little bit of a synopsis about uh Fight the Future?
0: Okay. Oh yeah, sure. So Fight the Future is a movie about Fox Mulder uncovering an actual alien invasion conspiracy where <laughs> I, I love the opening because it's like cavemen stumble upon an alien spacecraft and the aliens infect the cavemen. Yeah. And then, like 30,000 years later, some dumbass kids in Texas find the cave, also get infected, and the government steps in to cover the whole thing up. And Mulder uncovers the conspiracy because of a bombing in dallas that destroys a federal building where they're trying to he discovers that they're trying to cover up the deaths of a kid that kid and fire three firefighters who also found the alien uh virus
1: yes and just to kind of put in context that specific scene this is three years after the murrah bombing in oklahoma city yeah. Dallas is three hours from Oklahoma City and it was such a it, like watching it for me and I hadn't thought about that when I saw this but watching it now post 9-11 post COVID post January 6th like it I got very uncomfortable and I got very aware of everything that we've sort of endured since this movie came out and that like it was it was very cinematic even though it had really like literally just happened it was still somehow cinematic when we're watching it now it feels almost threateningly commonplace.
0: Yeah. I'm like and... very
1: aware that that's something that now could happen. It's not just like, Ooh, this isn't a movie like this. You know I mean? There's terrifying acts of gun violence all the time. You know, there have been bombings and plane attacks and all sorts of other horrible things have happened to us. And we've almost become immune to them.
0: Right. Like since 1998 conspiracies have are, conspiracies aren't fun anymore. Oh. And so watching, like, that bombing scene now, it's, I mean, it's not even a stretch to say that it, they're referencing the Oklahoma City bombing. Like, that. it's yeah, pretty explicit.
1: Which was, yeah, which was um, kind of a bold move. And I don't say that in a way that's either good or bad, but you're just sort of like, huh. And I know they picked Dallas because lone gunman, JFK, but it's also just like, yeah, true. that was you, mm, That was a choice that you made, Chris Carter. You made a deliberate choice to reference, like, this terrifying attack on american soil like you you went with that
0: right and it's it's part of something that i kind of wish the movie had taken further where it seemed to me like they were pulling random sort of conspiracy theories and you know news events out of kind of the ether from the 90s and trying to wrap them all up into the same conspiracy because uh you know a little bit later we get into the like there's a whole thing about bees and it's very pointed, like killer bee kind of reference. And I I felt like they almost were going down a road where they were trying to say like all of the, the the sensational scare news items that you've heard of, they're all real and they're all connected.
1: Yeah. Sort of Alex Jones yelling like mad cow will turn your kids gay. Like
0: exactly. (laughs) (laughs) The fluoride in the water is going to turn is, you know, going to turn the frogs gay.
1: Yeah, and it's it's weird to think, you know, we we love Fox Mulder because he's just lovely and, you know, kind of kooky and weird, but he's got that soft hair you just want to Um But well,
0: he's a conspiracy theorist, but he's on our side.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, you'd be like, that dude would listen to Alex Jones. Well, yeah. Like, nowadays, and, and so, like, now we see conspiracy theorists as, like, no longer harmful, like what else would he believe? Like it's like a little unsettling because we want to think of him as just like you just like he's cute and he's cuddly.
0: Right. But and now that, you're just
1: like, he's, he has the potential to be a terrifying human being. Mm-hmm. Like, he's that definitely
0: would. an anti-vaxxer, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, he is absolutely not vaccinated. Yeah. So. Yeesh. Or maybe like Scully talked him into it, but the lone gunman, no way. There is no way those dudes got the COVID shot.
0: Mm. I would bet two out of the three did not. At least, buyers might have done it, but still, whatever. We can, the, the I'll, I'll say this: the one X Files thing that I actually was really familiar with is like I loved the Lone Gunman TV series, the one season they did. Yeah, I watched that whole season and I loved it.
1: We <laughs> forgot about that. on um, when I was watching this, I was like, "Oh, that's right; those dudes had a TV show."
0: right so and i almost they're... feel like that that show existed because at some point they realized their target audience of like weirdo conspiracy theory dudes weren't watching the show anymore and it was all like teenage girls who just wanted to look at david the so they went off and they made a show for those weird dudes and guess what that's me sorry
1: i'd like to acknowledge that jillian anderson was also equally high
0: well absolutely yeah like i'm no one's denying that
1: yeah it's one of those things like um like they're saying on Twitter, like, a, you know, pride shirt won't turn your kid gay. But Jillian Anderson on the X-Files sure will.
0: <laughs> yeah, so not wrong.
1: It's it's true. It's true.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, should we move on to the, our next song?
1: Yes. Okay. Hop on over.
0: Let's hop on over. Track number two is is a song from the band Tonic. It's called Flower Man. Let's go to a clip. Shattered and hollow. You
1: Oh, I just assumed Tonic and Filter were me misremembering one band. (laughs) I wasn't convinced that they were two separate bands.
0: It's a name I remember, but like... uh... You would have to put a gun to my head to get me to name any one of their songs.
1: Sonic, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time.
0: <laughs> I hope you have notes on this song because I sure as heck do not.
1: Uh, well, my kind of thought on this one was if you knew nothing about this soundtrack, if you had never heard this soundtrack and I placed it down in front of you and put headphones on and said, what era is this soundtrack from? You would instantly say the late 90s.
0: Mm-hmm. by yep. the time
1: you heard this track cuz it's got it's that post grunge hard rock yeah um with those enormous like power driven guitars um it's just like a little bit of a sound garden knockoff
0: kinda yeah it,
1: yeah it was just like a touch of the gin blossoms on the vocals so it's still like friendly but it's edgy
0: yeah like it's it's a little too far gone for the jangle pop sort of sound
1: yeah they're, they're but definitely it's not
0: more into the like the post grunge stuff
1: yeah you're definitely like not going to get in trouble for listening to it.
0: Right. Yeah. Um,
1: It's very suburban. Um, This one, it wasn't bad. I wouldn't skip over it, but there is absolutely nothing here that makes it stand out. Especially when we look at uh, some stuff we've got later on. Um, We've got a song by soul coughing, which I think does what this is trying to do better.
0: Uh, Agreed. Absolutely. This is kind of, kind of just a filler track and, uh, I'm ready to move on. Uh, we're sort of warming up to it. Yeah. Um,
1: this it, the soundtrack that does. If I have any major complaint about it, it's that it starts off very slow.
0: It does. And th- the next track, while it's one that I enjoy, also very slow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> next, we've got uh, Foo Fighters walking after you.
0: Yeah, re- returning favorite the Foo Fighters. Let's go to a clip. Tonight I'm safe. This is this was kind of a discovery for me because like I knew have always known that this song was on this soundtrack, but I'd never heard it because I kind of always assumed it was the version off of Color and the Shape, okay. which it is not.
1: No, it's one of our re-recorded tracks,
0: mm-hmm. and I like this one so much better.
1: Yeah, no, I was going to go out and say that this was your favorite. Am I wrong?
0: No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Heck
1: yeah, nailed it.
0: <laughs> like part and part of it is. The pure joy of like a Foo Fighter, a new Foo Fighter song from the late nineties I've never heard. <laughs>
1: if, Foo Fighter song.
0: That's right, you said that uh, last time on on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is uh, has a much better sort of production than the one on the album.
1: Yeah, the original one felt very brittle. Mm-hmm. I feel like this one has more malleability to it.
0: Yeah, oh. it's the the drum beat makes it like completely. There's and there's.
1: Taylor Hawkins was new to the band at this point. Yeah, this
0: one. yeah, oh, he, I think this was one of his uh, one of his first tracks with the with the group. But yeah, that's um, interesting fact I, I found out was this this was produced by and features uh, Jerry Harrison from Talking Heads on the piano.
1: It does our old friend from uh, Something Wild. Yeah, definitely. So and
0: it got. the the radio single slash music video for the movie. It
1: did. Which David Duchovny wanted to direct and uh, then realized he did not know how to direct a music video and stepped (laughs) back. I know, like a a man realizing that he's not an expert on something? Like,
0: good lord. It doesn't happen often. (laughs) But it still does, it still has that kind of like vague X-Files sort of look and feel to it. That kind of like late 90s Fox TV sort of vibe.
1: And again, it's like, it's very slow. It's very creepy, but not in a bad way. Just like Mm -hmm. in this like sort of hushed whisper. Now, this song. was like the inclusion of this song on the soundtrack was catnip for people like me who wanted to see Mulder and Scully tongue kiss. (laughs) And like we we would hear this and be like, well, they have to, right? Like this is like him to her. And really <laughs> like someone who ships like that's just that's like not me
0: because I don't want like
1: some other bitch getting in my way. <laughs> so but I definitely shipped Mulder and Scully like so hard. And so my I think getting like going to see this movie, being all ready for it, I was like, they're going to have to kiss in this movie. Right. And they almost do. And I'm just like, please,
0: God, just so. about. Yeah. And
1: then stung by a killer bee mm-hmm. and even like i was like okay well they're gonna kiss later and like later he gives her mouth to mouth i'm like well that's sort of kissing keep in mind i had just when this movie came out i had just been kissed for the first time so <laughs> the year i'd been watching the x-files previous i was like still unkissed like please please i just need <laughs> to see some mouth kissing 14 and something is raging inside my body and I don't understand it and I just want to see mouth kissing <laughs> <laughs> so line that David Duchovny straddles is such a marvelous one because it, it really is for me that moment between like Han Solo makes my chest feel funny to I want to put my mouth on that man's mouth like it really is it's from like girlhood crush to adolescence like adolescent raging out of control lust and it like that line is david (laughs) dacovny he did that and and i didn't realize that until i started watching and like all of these memories and feelings started coming back to me
0: and the other part of it is he's he's absolutely doing it on purpose right
1: oh god yeah
0: like it's a million percent on purpose he knows what he's doing
1: (laughs) It's like oh, everybody calls me spooky. Nobody calls you spooky, Mulder. Okay, we all call you Smolder. That is what we call you behind your back and possibly to your face. I definitely, I like. I remember reading all the X Files novels. Like he has to mouth kiss her at some point. This has to happen. And then when it did, because like later she's like pregnant with his baby, but it turns out to be Smoking Man's baby or something. And they eventually live together. Like it's still not hot. It's still never. It never got to the like level of hotness that I was promised, even in. I want to believe. Like, I still have that feeling disappointed. And I've I've been re because, like, the Red Shoe Diaries is on Tubi, and he doesn't get to mouth kiss in that either. He's the fucking narrator.
0: He mouth kisses his dog, doesn't he?
1: It's really frustrating. It's like, and I, I know I could watch Californication, but I'm not going to. No. And I know who I am.
0: Because I want 90s
1: Mulder. I don't want old David Duchovny. I want young hot David Duchovny. I don't want him looking like garbage. I want him young and fox moldery. And I'm just never going to get what I want.
0: This life is full of disappointments and I'm exactly. sorry. Exactly.
1: And that's the, probably the biggest one of my life is not getting enough hot Mulder and Scully action. But the that's truth said,
0: is out there. What's the yeah. truth? This life is full of disappointments and I'm sorry.
1: If there is a secret cut of the X-Files fight the future where you get to see David Duchovny's naked ass, please email us at Party pod at gmail.com
0: yes please and thank you
1: <laughs> well and like they kept torturing us with it because there was that um uh rolling stone cover with the two of them in bed
0: yeah and i'm like right. please you Remember can't that. do this to
1: me i'm 15 and i'm a raging hormone monster
0: <laughs> please so to bring it back around <laughs> I do, we have to point out this is one of the three songs that that plays over the end credits. we're still talking about the food fighters song people
1: <laughs> for hours i love this song
0: this oh, yeah, like this, this beats
1: out every other Foo Fighters song. It beats out "Learn to Fly," and I love "Learn to Fly."
0: Oof, that's tough. That's yeah. real tough.
1: "Learn to Fly" is one of those songs that when it comes on shuffle, I will not skip over. I've never skipped "Learn to Fly" by the Foo Fighters.
0: It came on our local classic rock station yesterday, and I felt so fucking old. Nineteen ninety nine was not that long ago, people. Yes, it was. It really
1: was. See, "Learn to Fly" might have been the last great song in the nineties.
0: You're probably right. Yeah. I think it was. It had to be. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't even I don't even want to waste time like trying to th- trying to suss out a different one. It's gotta be that. Uh but uh moving on, if we if we must, uh we have to talk about Ween now.
1: Um because this, this song, Beacon Light, was actually the B side for the um the walking after you single.
0: Yes, I, it was, yeah. So let's go to a clip. I'm not sure. Now here's where I have to admit I don't fully get Ween. Like sometimes they're a joke, like a goofy jokey band, right? And sometimes they're not. Mm-hmm. And this is a song where they're not. I, which I'm I'm fine with this. This is this is pretty good. Like like late late nineties like alt rock standard. I like that. But I thought this. I was like waiting for the joke. I guess.
1: Yeah. Um. I don't love Ween as we've discussed. Um. And I was all set to hate this song from the mm-hmm. start. Because it, it the the starts a little rough, yeah. But I I got into it because it had that hard rock sound that we're getting into in the, in the late nineties, but it had more of a hangout vibe, yeah, than something yeah. like um our uh, Flower Man, for instance. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that.
0: Yeah, like, I would I definitely like, okay, put this over Flower Man for sure. Yeah,
1: like I could roll down the windows in my car and blast this. hmm. So. Um, apparently they're included because, uh, David Duchovny and his then wife, Taylor Leone, uh, bonded over their shared love of this band, which, you know, tracks.
0: Yeah. Good for them.
1: Yeah. I mean, i mm, um, I definitely like in my teenage anger, like probably had a, like cut a picture of the two of them out from like people or something and like s- scratch her face out. Cause like, how dare she, how dare he go out with her, even though I'm 14 and he doesn't know who I am.
0: Right, you, you know. just hate her for hate her for being her.
1: Yeah, like in yeah. the way that like teen girls are all kind of serial killers in that way.
0: Mm-hmm, like Yellow Jackets yeah. got
1: that right. Teen girls are all serial killers. We are all <laughs> monsters. I was one too. I apologize, Taylor, if you're listening to this. Like you were great in that
0: asteroid movie you did. <laughs> I don't have a lot on on uh, on Beacon Light. It's pretty good. It's fine.
1: Didn't hate it.
0: <laughs> I feel like this is like damning with the faintest praise. It's good, it's fine i don't I don't have a lot to say about it.
1: you reevaluate ween right? I was like, okay, they actually can be a good band when they
0: want to. <laughs> oh, they are a real band, okay,
1: that's cute, yeah, good for them, good for them, they're trying mm hmm um but yeah, coming off of walking after you, it's a little bit of a bummer, but it doesn't take it down that much. I'm. Um, because again, it this it solidly cements us in nineteen ninety eight and it's a good song to drive around to. It's not gonna be anybody's favorite.
0: Yeah. But it, I'm it's just I, a it's just a hard act to follow, walking after you, and they had yeah. to do it. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: But I don't know. I could I could see myself getting more into this song as time progresses.
0: Oh yeah, I got nothing wrong with this one. Uh moving on, we've got uh Sting. Is it now that this is that Sting, right?
1: This is that Sting. The
0: Sting. Okay, good. This I'm is an, Making this is a,
1: Copies fame.
0: <laughs> this is invisible sun. Let's go to a clip. This is a nice change of pace.
1: I love this song. It's originally off of the police ghost in the machine. So this is another one that we're re-recording.
0: Mm, now I feel um, really stupid because I was like, this kind of gets back to that police vibe. Of course it does. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: but it's nice. You know, the police were three white guys essentially doing reggae. So actually having a, a reggae band with a swad, um gives it a little more heft.
0: That's true. That is true.
1: Uh, both sonically and culturally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a really fun re-recording and i think it actually adds a lot to the song as um as the two singers kind of bounce it back and forth as a duet.
0: Yeah, and it gives a lot a lot of like levity to an otherwise kind of dour album. Like i the, the album needed this song.
1: And one of the things that we're seeing throughout this is again, we're keeping a very low tone profile mm-hmm. here to keep with the movie and it this definitely sounds like the soundtrack to an x-files movie. It like really if you were going to make an x-files mixtape, like these are songs that make me think of the x-files. All of these songs would fit on that.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
1: Because they all keep that same unsettled vibe. And again, um, Invisible Sun has a feeling of conspiracy, it has a feeling of outer space, obviously because that's where the sun lives. I'm um, and so it's it's keeping with that, and I I appreciate that kind of attention to detail. Uh, David was has done a really good job of producing this album.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Like
1: really picking songs that that fit in all these little subtle ways.
0: Mm. I, I I wish I had more like X Files things to say about this one, but
1: uh, just like can't believe you never watched the X Files. Did you just miss the 90s completely? Like, what were you doing? My what were you watching in my 1998? My
0: household was a sitcom household, you know? And, oh, God. Like, like, we almost exclusively watched sitcoms, and The X Files was just like, no, nah, not a thing in our household.
1: So, that's so weird because it was like, it was a whole thing for me. And it, like, we used to play The X Files. <laughs> like, my friend Jess and I, like, play X-Files, and uh, I I remember one time we went up to Saranac Lake, I guess it probably would have been the summer of 1998 um, no it was probably 97 um and I guess there was an episode that like took place at Saranac Lake. And so we're like, Oh, hell yeah. We're in X-Files territory and definitely out there with flashlights and like looking for aliens.
0: Oh, that's adorable.
1: It was. <laughs> and I think one of the other things about in rewatching this really made me connect with the X-Files as a kind of dividing line. It was like the last childhood thing I did, like playing X-Files and looking for aliens because, you know, in 1997, I was, you know, 14. And so, still a, a young teen, mm-hmm, yeah. and then in eighth grade, and then ninth grade, I'm an adolescent, and I'm not playing games in the backyard anymore, and I have a boyfriend, and and it like it marks this like line between those two things, and it it I think in a weird way, this sort of show for adults got left behind in my childhood. Because after this movie, I, don't, I never watched another episode of The X-Files. Like, I was over it somehow. Wow. Yeah. And I just moved on to other things.
0: Yeah, I, and I, I realize how weird it is when I say, like, I've never watched The X-Files. Like, it should be a thing that I should have been all about. Because I was a weird kid who liked, you know, uh, learning about aliens and spaceships and, and all this stuff. All this like weird conspiracy theory stuff I thought was cool, like monsters and aliens and pyramids and the the weird thing on the back of the $1 bill means something and like all that stuff. But it just I I don't know why the X-Files never became a thing to me until like, you know, the movie came out and I was aware of it because it was a movie and I watched the movie because it was on TV (laughs) and and I just like completely the show m- skipped me by completely, and I, I don't know.
1: It's kind of neat that the movie was there was a certain accessibility to it, right? That I don't feel like is in contemporary franchise movies. Like you have to have watched all of the Marvel movies in order to get Ant Man and the Quadrifonia or whatever the fuck it's called.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Ant Man rides a scooter. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: I'm the Ant-Man without Walton Goggins, that one. Uh, yeah. But there was kind of a, watching the X-Files, you sort of had a sense of going in that these guys look for conspiracies and aliens and shit, but you kind of could go into the movie knowing nothing about the show, because when I watched this movie, I remembered nothing about the show, but i was still like, Oh, okay. I know what's going on. They're looking for aliens. Like, yeah, exactly. You could access it and then go back and pick up some clues i mean i had to remember like oh right cigarette smoking man that mm-hmm. guy yeah. um but you could just dive right in which was kind of nice
0: yeah and, and that, i think that's probably why i watched the movie as many times as they did because like i could get it without having to understand any of this other stuff surrounding it and like that's you're right that's kind of a lost art nowadays the last movie that i could think of that Operates like this is weirdly enough, the Bob's Burgers movie. Yeah, because, like everybody's complaint about that was, Oh, it's just a big episode of the show, and like, yeah, that's kind of yeah. what it should be <laughs> just yeah. a, an and... hour, a, a 90 minute version of the show that people who don't watch the show can just watch and enjoy on its own.
1: Exactly, that's um, all it has to be. That said, The X Files was two hours long and it could have been 90 minutes.
0: Oh, totally. The
1: end kind of dragged. Um, but when I did watch this, I wanted to replicate Um, watching it as a 14 year old so mm. i ordered pizza hut and like i turned off all the lights and like lowered the blinds was like out there in my pajamas like oh i'm gonna watch the x-files
0: oh, so you were actually living that bare naked lady song it's great i really
1: was like well because you have to watch the x-files with no lights on like you R- can't
0: right Watch yeah. the
1: x-files with the lights on um that is stupid and it doesn't translate um but i had my like satin pajamas on i was like Super cool. And then I also um, replicated the feeling of getting caught watching something you're not supposed to be watching because uh, I turned on the Red Shoe Diaries afterwards because I had been meaning to watch the episode with Kenny Johnson from The Shield. And uh, Ian came home and caught me. <laughs> I'm not watching the Red Shoe Diaries.
0: Sure you weren't.
1: I definitely like lived all my 14-year-old emotions in that moment. <laughs>
0: Great. Like 19- Personal
1: pan pizzas are really tiny. Were they always that tiny?
0: Uh, were yeah, were we just that small, or did the pizzas get smaller?
1: Like, what is this? A pizza for ants? <laughs> so, I guess Pizza Hut had a a um tie-in with this movie. My did friend it? Paul reminded me, apparently. Because I was like, what should I order tonight? I'm watching the X-Files, and my friend Paul Garth was like, Pizza Hut had a tie-in.
0: I don't remember that, but I'll believe it. You know, I want to believe that Pizza Hut (laughs) had an (laughs) X Files tie in.
1: Um, Well, we've got another song Mm -hmm. to talk about. Uh, This is Deuce by the Cardigans.
0: Welcome back, Cardigans. Once again. All right, let's go to a clip.
1: forgot they were on this soundtrack
0: yeah i i didn't recall this either
1: yeah um and this is two years after they'd hit it big with the uh, love pool on romeo and juliet
0: right yeah so
1: this was a really a good pull um and i think this is kind of an underrated song again it's more of that like they're like aching beautiful swedish pop mm-hmm. um and th- this is only music this is for the ladies
0: oh totally absolutely and, uh, it is
1: good. A lot, a surprising lot of women on this soundtrack for X Files fandom being as dude-heavy as it was. Like, I think they definitely knew that there were teen girls who were in it. Um, there's actually a phenomena among teen girl X Files fans. It's called the Scully Effect, which, <laughs> okay, apparently, uh, really pushed women into going into STEM fields and criminal justice and medical school a lot of them credit Dana Scully.
0: That see that's really cool. That's a great a great uh, side effect of the show.
1: And I love I know like I was probably really hard on Scully as a teenager because she stood between me and my love for Fox Mulder. Right. Um that's not her fault. I was 14 and he's a fictional character. Um but now I'm just like you poor woman having to put up with him. I definitely see Scully in a new light like oh you got to put up with this dude's shit. I don't care how hot he is. <laughs> So, but like you just walk around in beautiful suits, like being hot, putting up with a dumb man's bullshit. She's the true hero of the show. Uh,
0: in the Dana movie Scully. too, because like I mean, I know he's he's the hero of the movie, but like she, she's still the one who's just like, oh god, are we still doing this shit? Okay, fine. But why do I have to be the one stung by the killer bee? God damn it.
1: I know, <laughs> and so damsel in distress. I was like, "What? Sh- what kind of shit is this?"
0: <laughs> Why does God. the doctor have to be the one in- to endure medical distress? I don't yeah. know. because so, uh, they wanted
1: her to be naked in that ice cube.
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs> of <laughs> Knew course. what its audience wanted. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but this, but this song, that's <laughs> just you, you. Might I don't know you? I don't know how you are going to feel about this. I get more. Cheryl Crow vibes from this song than they do cardigan vibes.
1: I will slap you across the mouth.
0: This, I hear a Cheryl How Crow dare song you. and I'm sorry.
1: How dare you? I should bring that evil in here. <sighs> well, there definitely is like an eerie drone that underscores this whole soundtrack, as we've talked about. Right. Um this sort of late night, kind of like mm. but I don't hear Cheryl Crow at all. <sighs>
0: Maybe that's just me. I don't know. Maybe.
1: That's fine. That's fine.
0: Just, yeah.
1: Um, it's a little light for her. I've always liked the cardigans. I think there's always something that has kept me from loving them, though.
0: I think they're a little too low-key to really, like, love.
1: Yeah, they're a little in that, like, Magnetic Fields vibe. Yeah. It's just, yeah, exactly. like, slightly low vibe. Um, I think also because um, a person I hated in high school really liked the cardigans. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know why, but I think there was just, like, a disconnect. And I was just, like, I couldn't get over that. Like, whenever I think of the cardigans, I think of this person whose name I can't even remember. You, yeah, but yeah, I can picture, you hate... like, the cardigans written in white out on their um, five-star, like, trapper keeper.
0: Oh, I, I get that completely. Like, you hate the thing that the person you hate loves.
1: It's, like, I every time Love Fool is on, like, I'll play through it. But, but I don't... It's weird because I don't particularly like it. it just I yeah, think it's yeah. like it's just ingrained in me being a girl from the nineties. Um, I like it, but I don't. It's very. It's a very. I have a very weird feeling about the cardigans.
0: I think it's part of it too. Is like it's just it's nineties nostalgia. Like I remember the time when this came out, and I kind of hated it. And you're nostalgic okay. for that that feeling. Like I feel that way about I feel that way about Blink One Eighty Two now. Like anytime I hear a song of theirs on the radio, I I am transported back to ninety eight when I thought it was the worst shit I'd ever heard, and I'm like, ah, oh, to be younger.
1: Well, <laughs> <feel> pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I st- I still well, hate Blink One Eighty Two. Well, I know we talked about them on our Star Wars episode, but that's like their one song that I don't
0: hate. Fair enough. Like I, we were we were at a at a breakfast joint this morning, and it was a very like hip, cool, urban breakfast joint like in a college part of town and the songs they were playing i swear to god it was just like just someone hit shuffle on a random 90s playlist because we walk in and they're playing corn they're blasting corn i don't know why
1: god i would just walk out and leave
0: (laughs) and immediately after that it's a jennifer lopez song which like that dissonance is like i don't know why i don't have a migraine still and then it jumps straight into Blink-182, and I'm and the three of us, me, Nikki, and my brother, we're all just sitting around going, is this really happening to us right now?
1: <laughs> uh, that, that's, I, that sounds like hell to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was, if the food wasn't amazing, we probably would have gotten up and left.
1: It simply burn the building down. Right. So it's, I'm sure there's a conspiracy there.
0: Maybe. To like, drive you out or give you brain worms. All, all, listen, all 90s music sounds exactly the same, is all I'm saying
1: over there and fight you especially <laughs> because we've got another fucking banger coming up next
0: oh heck yeah so uh, better than Ezra is back folks this is wh- from empire records that's right uh with a song called one more murder let's go to it <laughs> this one
1: this song so much
0: (laughs) it's kind of real i mean it too kind of like the cardigans has that weird kind of lounge revival kind of sound to it that i'm really i really appreciate now
1: yeah it's very husky Mm -hmm. um this is my favorite better than ezra song
0: Mm -hmm, okay it
1: it beats out uh in the blood from deluxe oh i got you and i love better than ezra like i always have um but i I really I love how progressively spooky this like it gets spookier.
0: Yeah, it really and keys into more, the vibe of the X Files, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and it gets more violent, um, and more jaded as it progresses. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this one. Like in my head, I pair this one with um, The King of New Orleans from Friction Baby.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah.
1: Um, like I feel like they're the two. Like they're back to back. Like this takes place later in the night from that song. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Ian actually put this uh, on a mix for me. I'd forgotten about this song completely, um, but he put it on a mix, like a crime writing mix for me. Oh But wow. it, it's weird. Cause I always kind of forget that this song is an X-Files song because, and this will surprise no one. This one always makes me think of the shield. It makes me think of Dutch Wagenbach. Um, <laughs> Who I'm also horny for. Um, who probably like, there's a direct line there, like Fox Mulder to Dutch Wagenbach, like right there, like really hot guys in bad suits, beautiful faces. Um, like who are just like too smart and un- underappreciated. Just like right there. That was established in 1998. Like that predicted it. Just like, this is the type of man you're going to like the rest of your life. <laughs> You're just going to be horny for that guy. Um,
0: you just imprinted on the wrong thing. It's not your fault. Exactly.
1: It's like Mama Duck. Um, I just imprinted on really tall, smart, snarky men. Uh, <laughs> just good. I could imprint, imprint on him um, bows. There are worse things to imprint on, I guess. But um, that's who I always think of when I hear this song. But it's it, this is like... Perfect X-Files music right here.
0: It really is, yeah.
1: It's like this and... There's like a I, vaguely
0: electronic feel to it that kind of makes me uncomfortable. It's like got a crackle that runs yeah, through it. Yeah, I like, I like um, that.
1: Although, that said, sonically it sounds very X-Files, but lyrically it's much more cop show. Like
0: yeah, Like, marks I, I guess, and
1: yeah. murder. Like, it, it really... It it would fit better on the uh, the soundtrack to The Shield. Which TV show that also got a soundtrack? A really bad soundtrack that is terrible. We will not be doing that on the soundtrack.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is your favorite song on the album.
1: You're correct.
0: Yes, if, we're one and one this week.
1: We did it. Um, it barely, it just barely beats out "Walking After You," like just barely.
0: Right. I, um, I get it. I, I. But this is definitely a you song.
1: Mm-hmm. It was like written for me. <laughs> um, but and I, I love better than Ezra. Like, I they're kind of my. Third favorite in all those jangle pop bands, obviously the Gin Blossoms, Rain Supreme. I love Toe the Wet's Sprocket, but like I really have a soft spot for Better Than Ezra. Mm-hmm. Um, I always now,
0: have. Now I was wondering about this the other day. This is a really dumb digress digression, so just go bear with me. I was wondering about this the other day. Oh, you've listened all mine. Fair enough, but um, so you got the band Better Than Ezra, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you've got the band Less Than Jake. And I always wondered is there a, is there a musician out there? that fits right in between them named Jacob Ezra. And it turns out there is.
1: What the fuck?
0: <laughs> I know, right? So this imaginary scale that I've invented actually has a midpoint, and his name is Jake Ezra.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So Jake Ezra, wherever you are out there, sir, we salute you, I guess. <laughs> and you you should go on tour with these two bands.
1: You should. I have wanted to see better than Ezra. They've done a couple of these, like, 90s revival tours. Um, haven't been able to one day. Um but I'm I'm really hoping that one day they'll re- uh, reissue deluxe. It did get a 2018 reissue, but it was very limited. I have Friction baby. Um mm. which I do love. Um and they really should put the uh X Files the album on vinyl.
0: This would be a really good one, yeah.
1: Oh, so, cuz it cuz it as you know, it, it's a little early but I go ahead and say like this album is pretty great.
0: Like all told? Oh yeah, definitely. And like the fact that they missed the opportunity to do like a 25th anniversary album, like what are y'all doing?
1: Get it together. Get it
0: together you guys.
1: And come on, give, give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. Just the X Files on vinyl and more mouth kissing between Mulder and Scully. <laughs> we really don't ask
0: for like a whole lot. No. Not it's the know. special Libby
1: edition featuring pictures of them mouth kissing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> should we move on? I think we should. I think so too. Um, the Cure is is back, everybody.
1: So we have a lot of, as we said, a lot of reoccurring friends.
0: Um, I, I don't think we've we've seen The Cure since the Crow episode. Oh,
1: we haven't. Um, we touched on them briefly, I think, in the Wedding Singer, because you hear Boys Don't Cry playing in the background, but it doesn't appear on either soundtrack.
0: This is a song called More Than This, and we're gonna play a clip right here.
1: Surprise you that I actually did not own this album. Mm-hmm. when I was 15 I know my friend Jess had it and I had a couple songs on tapes but it's probably good because like if I had heard this when I was 15 I would have never left my fucking room <laughs> like because this is another song about just like unrequited desire and that is where I lived at 15 honestly that's where I lived at 22 Um it's
0: one of those sad songs that makes you just want to lie on the floor
1: the ache, the beautiful ache, ah! Like again, they were just teasing all of us. Again, like so, you can't have spooky without the cure. Mm-hmm. Oh and yeah, it, definitely. It keeps that sound. Like this whole thing is just like weird and unsettling. It's just the vibe is off, and I love that. Yeah, and and, and so too, <laughs> like
0: once again, we've got a, a band that's kind of dipping into electronic sounds in a way that's like it doesn't quite sound like the cure does it oh but it's definitely the cure like you, it's de- definable but still like they don't sound quite right
1: sort of nebulous um i'm kind of bummed they're not playing this on their tour uh Check this that's out list. yeah um i mean this is this is a reach um yeah yeah this is a yeah. real deep track but um still i was like come on
0: give the people what they want. Yeah. It's, um, it's like, again, this is the 25th anniversary of the X-Files movie. Come on guys. Yeah.
1: Um, I would, I wouldn't say this is one of my favorite Cure songs, but I definitely like it. I think I like it better than burn from the crow. If we're ranking that Cure soundtrack. Fair, songs. Yeah. I like this one a lot. Um, I mean, it's never going to be Friday. I'm in love or the love cats or Charlotte sometimes, but I, uh, you know, <laughs> nothing is ever going to be Charlotte? Sometimes,
0: no, yes. no, no, no.
1: Best song. You, know, you may disagree with me about that, but that's okay. This
0: this is the space where Libby can be Libby, and that's okay.
1: Yes, so I can fully be me. Um, what I kind of again about it is that we're dipping back to something like The Cure. Like it would have been very easy to have a more contemporary band, uh, someone like The Smashing Pumpkins, for instance.
0: Yeah, that's true. Who, I'm, I'm kind of surprised now that you mentioned that.
1: Yeah, they're still leaning into that Gen X vibe, so we're straddling that line. Did you ever watch the episode of The Simpsons with the X Files?
0: I must have, because like I I know I I know I've seen like the Simpsons version of Fox Mulder before. I must. It's my have. favorite
1: episode of The Simpsons, because <laughs> my friend Courtney and I used to say like, Spring of peace and love. Don't let him get away. Break his legs." <laughs> like, I've actually seen the episode where he wears the red Speedo. I've seen like clips from it, but I don't think I've ever actually watched that. I don't think my heart could have taken it at 15. I'm not sure my heart could take it at 40.
0: Mm, maybe I'm not. still
1: recovering from surgery. I think like, I'll have to go back and check my notes, but I'm pretty sure they're like, you will explode if you watch the episode of the X-Files where Mulder is in a red Speedo, so please don't.
0: Just for Which your is, health.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like Your stitches will blow out. Yeah. Um, yeah your heart will stop.
0: <laughs> well, so we're halfway through this album and we've still got half an album to go.
1: Oh, I told you, like this awoke something within me.
0: <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Like, I'm glad we have this much to talk about.
1: And who is returning for her second week. I think this is the first time we've ever had somebody back to back.
0: I think you're right. Yeah. Bjork is back, everybody. Is
1: our Icelandic queen.
0: That's right.
1: Hunter. <laughs> I told I could oh, me and me. And you 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 you
0: If the cure song didn't quite sound like the cure, this sounds exactly like a Bjork song.
1: Yeah, this couldn't like if you'd never heard a Bjork song. We're like, what? Who is this? You'd be like, uh, Bjork, is that mm-hmm. her name?
0: That's the one, yeah. Like it's it's unmistakable.
1: Unmistakable because it makes me really uncomfortable. I think that's like Bjork's hallmark. Is she makes me extremely uncomfortable.
0: Just weird, alienating kind of music. Yeah. Yes,
1: yeah, because she, I also don't think, is from Earth. Like cuz Men in Black came out around like the same time we were really big into aliens and they're showing all the like aliens who walk among us. Bjork has got to be one, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Like
1: Bjork isn't like I know we're like oh she's from Iceland, but that's not a real place. No. Um she's too perfect, she's too weird, she's too quirky. She cannot be from Earth. We don't create things like that. We destroy things like that.
0: Oh yeah, no. Like you ask you ask Bjork where she's from and like she just says Uh, not from around here.
1: Yes, I'm from the stars. Um, (laughs) but like, yeah, this, like this song in particular, like as I was listening to it, I was like, what is this feeling? What is this discomfort that I'm feeling? And the closest thing I could think of was like these electronic shivers that that run underneath it. They feel like when you're climbing the first hill on a roller coaster.
0: Ooh. Yeah. And you have this moment
1: where you're like, I'm, I have to do this. Like, I I can't leave now. I'm, and like you're, it's that anticipation. I'm um, like I'm trapped the, here. Yeah, yeah. The midpoint doesn't quite give me the thrill I it to. Um, yeah, there's
0: there's really no come down <laughs> from this. It just kind of keeps going.
1: Yeah, and it it deviates off, but you never like quite get to the loop. Like you're always just climbing, um, which is it's a neat. Like who am I to tell Bjork how to write a song? Um. But my standard pop sensibilities are just like, when are we going to actually like get to the rest of it? When are are the twists and turns going to come in? And they never quite get there. It's like you get to the top and then it peters out.
0: Speaking of the Simpsons, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Putting Bjork on an X-Files. You're like, okay. Yep.
0: Yeah, like that's a slam dunk. Like, of course. Of course. Perfect.
1: Would have noticed if she wasn't there,
0: right? It's like this. This you know this album's missing Bjork.
1: You that article you sent me. Um, uh, Joe sent me a consequence of sound article that Space Ghost Coast to Coast, which their best episode features Bjork, um, oh, well, yep, is being yep. removed from uh Max streaming. It
0: it is gone. Yes.
1: Yes. Um, I am quoted in the article. I forgot that I had written about Space Ghost for consequence <laughs> of sound. <laughs> And I want you to know that I was up at three in the morning when I saw that.
0: Oh, wow. I
1: had gotten up. Um, I couldn't sleep. And I was like, hey, fuck around on Twitter like everybody does at 3 a.m. Hmm. And um, saw that. And actually, the the photo they use is from Bjork's episode. So, um,
0: it doesn't uh, show Bjork, but
1: Tom York's Tom York is uh, is pictured on that. And that's the best episode of Space Ghost Coast, Coast.
0: It is. It really is
1: space ghost coast coast again another thing i was obsessed with in 1998 i stayed up a lot in 1998 i went through a long bout of like not sleeping Um,
0: me yeah me too like watching space ghost and and just being a weird little goblin at three in the morning but but again the fact that i never got around to watching the x-files is kind of baffling isn't it
1: the soundtrack is it has this feeling like you could put this on and go out and look up at the night sky and search for aliens Um, this is it. it Captures that feeling of when you are lying awake, and the world is just running through your head, and you're staring up and wondering, like, are we alone? What else is out there?
0: Or, or you know, like what I would do a lot when I was a kid, I had I snuck a, a tiny little radio into my bed at night so that I could listen to music when I was awake, because I was awake a lot. And like this, just this album just sounds like what you would assume would be on the radio at three in the morning. On on any given station, yeah.
1: Yeah, what it feels like to be awake at 3 in the morning and just, like, wondering all those, like, dumb thoughts just, like, running around in your head. And that's something that I haven't done in a long time is, like, go and look at the stars.
0: Mm -hmm. You never just look anymore.
1: Yeah, if you haven't, they're beautiful, you know? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Libby, do I have to flash thing you?
1: Actually, they did show uh, Men in Black at our drive-in last year. Nice. The night of the Perseids. Ooh. And, um, they didn't show the second one though. They showed it and then they turned everything off. And the idea was you stay and you, uh, watch the meteor shower.
0: That sounds it amazing.
1: It was great. Um, it, it clouded over. So we actually didn't get to watch a whole lot, but it reminded me that, um, that I used to really like going out and looking up at the stars, like wondering about alien life and wondering what else was out there and listening to. The Foo Fighters.
0: Yeah, <laughs> ninety eight was rad as hell. It was like you had all these alien movies in your head, and you just there's nothing better than just looking up and just wondering what if.
1: Yeah, especially what? like again, like being a uh, Girl Scout camp in Saranac Lake with all my friends, and just being like, "Yeah, there's fucking aliens out there. We're gonna find <laughs> them," and you know, it really, it it felt, it felt good, and I miss that. That and, like that moment of like one day you're a kid and then one day you're an adult. It's just, I don't know.
0: And, that, that, and, that's
1: what that's really like. What this movie reawoke in me is that yeah. nostalgia for for being 14 again, which I never thought I'd fucking have because being 14 is the
0: worst. I more and more these days I find myself chasing that feeling of like the late nineties, ninety six to like ninety nine. Those were my peak like being way too into entertainment years where like that was the stuff that i was really obsessed with whether it was tv or music or video games or whatever and like anything that recaptures that feeling even if it's just like watching the tv commercials for the x-files movie like i remember seeing those and those like unlock some weird feeling in my brain where like everything's okay because those were on tv and i remember them
1: yeah that's called middle age my dude (sighs) yep it hurts (sighs) we've got a third friend back.
0: Yeah. I, I immediately Boy, recognize that. Lost this. Track. Yeah, cause like uh Soul Coughing, the band Soul Coughing is back. There's a song called Sixteen Horses on the soundtrack. Uh let's go to a clip. Shiver over bridges like the river was a dream, dream. Over bridges
1: like the river was a dream. Of course, we last heard Soul Coughing way back on the Tommy Boy soundtrack. That's right. Chicago is not Chicago. These guys were doing a lot of soundtracks. Um, Mm -hmm. They were on the Batman and Robin soundtrack. Yep. uh, Which we're never going to talk about. But they also had a song on Songs in the Key of X. They had a song called Black Helicopters.
0: That's appropriate, yeah. Yep. Very um, appropriate.
1: But we've got um, uh, this one's 16 Horses. Um, I found myself surprisingly kind of getting into this one.
0: Yeah, I dug this one too.
1: Yeah, because I didn't love Is Chicago Is Not Chicago? And I don't, I don't think you did either. No, um, I don't
0: remember that one very well.
1: Yeah, um, I know that that's one I usually skip. Um, they have always described themselves as deep slacker jazz and i'm like there it is that's what that is what i'm hearing
0: i get that yeah
1: yeah i'm um, and this one it kind of sounded like the red hot chili peppers meets cake
0: yeah i kind of pick up the, the more so the cake comparison than the chili peppers comparison but also i there's like it's like if cake were members of nick cave and the bad seeds
1: uh red right hand is on songs
0: in the key mix that's right yeah so
1: uh, there's nick cave is all over that album um okay that tracks i thought like there because there's a little bit of like a funk undertone on this one
0: yeah just a little that's, bit yeah yeah. that's
1: where i got the red hot chili peppers but Fair definitely out. like that cake kind of patter
0: yeah oh yeah um, the the lyrics are definitely like just being, shadow
1: stabbing ask
0: being yeah being barked at you
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah this one um as you know, as I'm ranking these songs in my head, like this one kind of rose up a lot higher than I thought it would.
0: Yeah, this is definitely like top half to me. Yeah. You know. This
1: should have been um further up, honestly. I um think we so. could have moved this to what would be like the the A-side.
0: Definitely, absolutely. Hell, hell open open the album with this. Get rid of one.
1: Especially because people who had been fans of the show and who had already uh, acquired songs in the key of X would be familiar with this band. Mm -hmm. And so it would have been, um, like a good sort of bridge between those two. And actually, um, my friend Matthew had mentioned that he really liked, uh, black helicopters. Mm -hmm. So um, and it, uh, Mulder and Scully are chased through a cornfield by black helicopters.
0: Oh yeah. You have to, you have to do that
1: after they uncover, uh, killer bees. Mm hmm. Cause you're like sure, of course. There's killer bees hiding in Texas. Yeah, like well, oh, that's... in a sports dome kind of thing. Like those two, like those big boob tents. Yeah, like everything I saw reminded me of her. These two <laughs> big titty tents.
0: The bees.
1: <laughs> they're oh, everywhere man. and they're, they're sting crazy. Yeah.
0: But again, like the this movie really does try to b- rope in every weird conspiracy you could think of like killer bees out of nowhere for no reason.
1: I don't like bees anyway, so I probably wasn't paying attention. Okay.
0: So my dad's a beekeeper, so I know this shit. That's cool. (laughs) So there's, there's two major like types of bees in North America. One, like the European honeybee. That's the one that everybody knows and, and loves because they're our friends and they make honey. Then they tried to bring over Africanized bees from Africa through South America because they're hardier and they, they don't die off as quickly as the other honeybees do those honeybees are assholes and they're aggressive and that's where the myth of the killer bee comes from because like those swarms will chase people and if they that in the early to mid 90s that was a big thing in the southwest was like the killer bees were coming up through south america and mexico and they were going to take over the country that never happened okay but like it it was like a a blip on the news radar and then it went na- it went national like the big scare was killer bees <laughs> okay
1: yeah See, so so, I feel like this movie is sort of a verse of we didn't start the fire
0: a little bit
1: I'm not even going to attempt to replicate it but it's just like federal building like, bombing killer bees
0: David Duchovny
1: <laughs> chicks love David Duchovny yeah <laughs> just yeah mm. hmm. yeah where's yeah. that verse Billy Joel Where's our
0: 1998 verse God but like yeah. so in the plot of the movie the killer the they're not even killer bees they're just bees no they are they're Af- they say they they're, carry
1: a virus yeah they' are Africanized well
0: uh... they say they're Africanized bees so like it's those bees and they are carrying they're carrying the alien virus that's how Scully gets infected.
1: And it's what stops her from kissing Mulder, as we established. Children. Exactly.
0: But, like, that's Ruins how the- everything,
1: fucking bees. <laughs>
0: like, that's how they're planning to spread the virus is by breeding killer bees with the virus to, like, release and infect people because killer bees attack people.
1: Yeah. And, like, somehow, like, FEMA's responsible for that. So we get that. Some, like, early FEMA. Paranoia, which yeah, which, peaked in uh, after Katrina.
0: Absolutely, and the you, you get these amazing scenes where like Martin Landau shows up out of nowhere and he's just ranting about FEMA mm-hmm. for like minutes just, on end. They're a like,
1: secret government, oh, and my dad worked for FEMA, and I checked with him, and he says they're not a secret government, which sounds like something a secret government would say. Um, although it's funny because at one point I don't remember how it came up, but my dad did acknowledge that if there was an alien invasion. FEMA would be uh, boots on the ground.
0: Because what does FEMA stand for? The Federal emergency... Federal emergency
1: Management.
0: Okay, so like emergency management of any kind, whether it's whether it's hurricanes or natural disasters or aliens, I guess.
1: It would be there. Um, they would be the agency in charge. So um, my dad would have to handle, because my dad worked in the, the PR mm-hmm. part of it. So my dad would be doing the PR about the aliens or Godzilla or oh, wow. zombies. Yeah. Yeah, that would be my dad. Well, not anymore. He's retired, but... Um, <laughs> cool. So I was, you know, texting my dad through all of this, like, wow, the X-Files hate you. <laughs> um, he
0: was not amused. What did um, you do to Martin Landau?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, what's his beef with you?
0: Jeez, guys.
1: Fear of like FEMA camps, which of course during the Obama administration, like Obama was going to round us all up and put us in FEMA camps. Like it was like an early adopter of that. It, like it set was, that yeah, trend. it was
0: the precursor to all that.
1: Lone gunman predicted it all. Yeah, <laughs> those guys show up very briefly in like a cameo.
0: They do, um, and it was it was nice to see them. Knowing like, like having been a fan of that show, remembering like oh yeah, they they show up for one good scene in this, and then they just kind of disappear. Yeah. They help, yeah, they, get, they help Mulder escape from, like, the hospital because he's, he's being watched by the government. Of course. Of course.
1: Because um, he knows too much. Well, we actually finally have a song that is in the movie. The one song that is in the movie.
0: Eleven tracks deep, finally.
1: Yes, and it is X with Crystal Ship. Let's go to the mm-hmm. The days are bright this is, of course, a Doors cover.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, this is a Doors song.
1: It makes sense because the Doors keyboard player, Ray Mazarak, produced X's uh, debut Los Angeles in 1980. Aha. He also produced this single.
0: Okay. Cool. Um, this was
1: originally a B-side to Light My Fire.
0: Alrighty. So, um... But yeah, this this plays early in the film as Mulder is unloading his um, all of his grievances to uh, bartender uh, Glenn Headley, like we talked about earlier. This song's playing in the background. And it's so, it's playing so far in the background that you really have to stretch to even catch that this is the song.
1: You really don't hear it until he gets up to go take a piss in an alley. Right. Like, as he's walking through the hall, um, you can hear it a little better. And that's when I was like, oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, <laughs> I have to say, there is nothing less appealing than watching a hot guy take a piss. <laughs> nothing. It, it throws off the whole vibe, but there's actually something kind of notable about this scene.
0: Yeah, because he's not just pissing anywhere, he's outside pissing on a giant poster for the movie Independence Day.
1: Now, why is that? Was there like, I mean, I get it because it's aliens and he's Fox Mulder, but was there like a was there beef between like yeah, Chris appar- Carter and. Yeah,
0: apparently Chris Carter just hated that movie and he just wanted to show his disdain for it.
1: That's so pathetic.
0: He's like, hey, hey, David, do you you gotta take a leak let's film it outside
1: oh that makes me a gag
0: but my 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 favorite oh God. my favorite part of the scene though is like you know, he's taking a leak and that's when martin landau shows up <laughs> and like somewhere in the middle of that scene he's like all right it's my turn and then he starts pissing on the poster
1: <laughs> i know it's such an like unpleasant sequence and yeah. he just was like knew your father i did
0: <laughs> it's like so the the so the makers of the creators of the x-files like hated independence day for some reason i don't know why well i can gather why because it's it's a big dumb action movie and it made all the money and he's probably just jealous but you know what independence day has that the x-files movie doesn't have have goldblum okay two things independence day has an innate belief in the goodness of people Yeah. And the X Files does not. Yeah. If, yeah. if 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 I can defend Independence Day at all for any reason, it's that I love like,
1: Independence Day. You don't have to like second guess oh, it to me. I love. Oh that no, movie. you and
0: I are both like true believers here. But like, there's you know people that there, friends that we have in the world who just hate this movie with every fiber of their being. And I just got to say, like, who hurt you, people?
1: That's that's sad.
0: It's just how how can you go through life being so miserable?
1: Well, it's like uh. It's like the band X said, hey, baby, it's the 4th of July. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. From, uh, that's one of my favorite X songs.
0: And it's kind of appropriate that this is basically our 4th of July episode.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is a serviceable cover. I'd yeah,
0: say. it's all right. I'm into this. It,
1: it's great. Um, Roadhouse star John Doe
0: mm-hmm.
1: takes lead on vocals. We've got um, Xine in the background, and they trade on and off, but she's kind of the primary vocalist. Fun fact, xine is a self-styled conspiracy theorist. Oh, great. Yeah, but like the bad kind.
0: Oh, great. <laughs> like
1: the bad kind. Ugh. The really bad kind.
0: Just, what is it about conspiracy theories that just attracts all the worst people?
1: No, like and it, like, I love never, the band X. I, I was actually, they're playing here in Albany, and I don't have anyone to go with, and I kind of want to go.
0: I, I want to point out at this point, like, I... While we've been having this conversation, I've been listening to the album kind of in the background while we're talking. It is wonderful music for talking about the X-Files because it's so like discordant and strange when you're not paying attention to it.
1: David Guaz knows what he's doing. Yeah. He nailed it. He nailed the sound. He nailed the X-Files sound. Like, like probably better than any other soundtrack we've ever done. This one, just A+.
0: Oh, yeah like
1: for understand for like understanding the assignment
0: like it, it hits that tone so perfectly
1: as even songs that we don't expect would like our next song uh, Sarah McLaughlin's black I would not expect a Sarah McLaughlin song to co- to come in as hard as this one does let's go to a clip. oh yeah
0: This is this is actually the one I'm listening to right now as we talk, and it's if I had to paint a picture of where I think I am right now, it sounds like I'm on a submarine and I'm about to be murdered <laughs> for seeing something I wasn't supposed to see. Right?
1: Yeah. Oh, you know, and and this is again like I feel like this is kind of a Scully song. Um, yes. There's lyrics like, "As I follow down the track, as I follow the tracks that lead me down, I never follow what's right." Like she knows. Like Scully's the practical one. Yeah. But she's gonna go along with her idiot, beautiful partner with a stupid handsome face. Um, because like she knows that he's onto something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something's ticking in that brain of his. Um and I, I again I love how many women are represented on this soundtrack. Because we do a lot of really dude heavy soundtracks. We um, do. That's just kind of the nature had...
0: of, of of everything, basically.
1: Um but really it again, cements us in the late 90s. We have so many female fronted bands and Lilith Fair is going on. And we're in like this last kind of grasp of the female singer-songwriter before we head into the pop star era of the early aughts.
0: Yeah. It kind and it's of, really wonderful. It kind of reminds me a bit of the Twister soundtrack where you had sort of the the one half of the album that's very dude heavy and the one half that was very, you know, lady heavy. And they sort of blend together. Yeah, this one does that. I think it does it better.
1: Yeah, um, and it understands the audience, and I think this show finally started to recognize that there was a female audience for it. Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of, I don't want to say played into that because that sounds really callous, but really honored that.
0: Yeah, give your audience what they want, even if it's not exactly what they want. We all know what this audience wanted. Give you what you didn't know you wanted. That's the trick. Well, I knew what I wanted. Well, you're not getting that.
1: <laughs> I know. I never get what I want. No. No, especially because show. what we're what I'm about to get is a Noel Gallagher track that I can't even pronounce if I'm being honest.
0: Teotihuacan. Yes. I practiced.
1: Very good. Because <laughs> it wouldn't be the late '90s without a Gallagher.
0: Oh, that's right. Let's go to a clip. <laughs> no Gallagher thinks he's Damon Aldrin all of a sudden
1: <laughs> So I'm um, played in the movie It is over the end credits
0: Yeah, it's the one that kicks off the end credits And then followed by uh, the Foo Fighters at the very tail end
1: But as we talk about again What was happening in the 90s uh, EDM
0: Yeah, EDM was big And like and ambient And like this is kind of the, the moment of Britpop collapsing in on itself
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've we're sort of we've lost Britpop. Oasis is in shambles, which, to be fair, Oasis was always in shambles. he just wrote "Don't Look Back in Anger" from the shambles, um, and the, the sort of like European house and ambient and electronic was starting to full was taking in that space. Yeah. So I um, was was filling in the vacuum that Britpop left we're getting all this sort of european house music Um, this so much about ambient
0: music yeah, it's, it's not my genre either
1: but this one feels like it it's good but it feels very entry level to me
0: Hmm. yeah
1: and if you had said like who produced this i'd be like i i don't know i would not have guessed Noel gallagher
0: yeah not in a million years
1: so something kind of different which i appreciate but um
0: but i i will say like my my joke earlier it's not really a joke like this does this song really does kind of predict where david alburn's gonna go for the next 20 years
1: yeah like yeah. In
0: a big way
1: mm-hmm. um but it wasn't him it was not Gallagher. in keeping with our sort of edm and leaning very heavily into pure moods um we end the album with the x-files theme
0: yeah this is the dust brothers yes Let's go to a clip.
1: I get it. It's 1998. You need something that will play at clubs. Um, I do not like this.
0: No. like The X-Files theme is like six notes. You don't need this much.
1: Uh, and it's iconic. Like Everybody knows it. Put it on at a Halloween party sometime. People freak out. Oh,
0: yeah. Like, People get so excited. I, I, I love that the, the movie opens with just that little six-note sting, and it's all you get before the yep, actual just... plot starts. Mm-hmm. It's like, I they know. know what you're here for.
1: That said, the opening titles of the X Files show are so fucking corny.
0: Oh, like absolutely. Like
1: weird, like, stilted, kind of home video look. Oh, my God. They're so bad. <laughs> they look so dumb. It's like, ooh, PlayStation 1 graphics. It's just like, it's so. It feels very Night Trap, honestly.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> I get that for sure.
1: God, I want to see. Mulder and Scully investigating Night Trap. <laughs> and like throwing down a folder and being like, they're called augers. <laughs> Six teenagers, blood drained. She's like, maybe people, maybe it was a murder. Be like, they're called augers.
0: Or just like a, a version of Night Trap where like uh, Mulder and Scully have to catch an alien in the house and like, well, they're going to send Mulder in to, to, to be the bait and Scully's going to stand back and watch all the cameras. <laughs>
1: Oh, so, well, he's going to pretend to be a teen girl. So
0: you watch Mulder just wander from room to room, waiting for an alien to pop out. Whistling. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Trying to peek in on girls in the shower.
0: Takes off his shirt in this room, puts it back on in that room.
1: Oh, tell me more.
0: He's like, wait, no, back up, back up.
1: <laughs> to that camera.
0: Oh, my God. This is such a strange movie. Like, even for the era, like. Uh, of of like weirdo TV blockbuster movies, but I I kind of appreciate it.
1: Yeah, or as an adult, um, I think because I understood like the I hesitate to say adult themes, but like as a fourteen year old, like you don't care about FEMA, you want to see aliens.
0: Yeah, you don't care about like the actual plot or yeah. aliens, you know, being uh, killer bees.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's... I didn't care about the sort of procedural of it. No. I just wanted to see an alien. And so I, I enjoyed it that way. Like, I actually really did enjoy my experience watching it. Mm-hmm. That said, um, the midpoint, like, at about the hour and a half mark, I was done. Like, and I remember feeling that way when I watched it as a teenager. When I saw it in theaters, I was like, oh, is this movie over yet?
0: <laughs> Can I be it perfectly does- honest with you for just a minute? Yes. I got to the point in the movie where Mulder goes to Antarctica to save Scully. And he finds her in that little weird space coffin. And that's the point where I was like, all right, I get it. I turned the movie off.
1: <laughs> you missed the end. I've um, seen it. this and movie. I know it. how it ends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I definitely like that. The whole Antarctica could have been cut down by about 15 minutes. Oh,
0: God. Yeah. Like... It's,
1: it's a really, really long sequence. And I like the action when he's, you know, saving her from the the pot and everything and giving right. her the vaccine. Right. Um, but it definitely moved way too slow. Um and it's pretty like it moves at a nice pace early on.
0: Oh yeah, the, it's it's got a really good like flow to it as a movie.
1: Yeah, but it it drags in the third act like something
0: fierce. And only to get to a point where they're like, "All right, the X-files are back on and we're going to like they're going to tease it up for like a series of movies that never never happen." Oh. Like eh, it just kind of peter's out.
1: Yeah. Um it it doesn't the third act isn't isn't
0: great it's not the best
1: and it was it was funny because i remember exactly at that point where i was like ah, oh. and that should have been the point that like really rubbed my engine because he's like he's going to save scully because it's like the one thing he loves and i just remember being like
0: really super bored mm-hmm. so
1: um eh. yeah
0: i don't, but the soundtrack the soundtrack oh is God. great
1: yeah this is one of like the most whole soundtracks we've covered where it's like aside from one there are no other missteps. There's ones that are better than others, but this is like after if you just skip to track 2, you can play straight through.
0: Yeah, like I I would I would probably drop the first and last tracks. Like you don't really need the X-Files theme for this album, do you? Especially not this version.
1: It's nice to have.
0: Yeah, I guess you have to have it. Yeah. But like, yeah. I would have
1: opened with that rather than one.
0: Oh, absolutely! Just again
1: to like remind you, like it's the X Files.
0: Yeah. So like, then closing out with um <laughs> the no Gallagher track kind of makes more sense. Yeah. Especially as as long as it is.
1: Really long. It's seven. It's over seven minutes long. Mm, it's, it's like I I kind of was like um. Am I still listening to this?
0: Is this a song? What's happening? yeah yeah so other than those things this is a great album and if you haven't listened to it go go pick it up go find it I, yeah we it's love it.
1: pretty readily available there's also a hidden track oh if you get the cd version really? uh, where chris carter explains the mythology of the series
0: see now i wish i had been able to track down a, a cd copy because that would be yeah. that would have been great to listen to
1: <laughs> yeah Joe, what's our next movie?
0: Well, next up on the show, we are diving back into the world of Saturday Night Live with the soundtrack to 1994's Coneheads.
1: All right. <laughs>
0: <sighs>
1: We've had some fun with uh, 1994.
0: Yeah, it's I don't want to jump ahead too far, but I, I will say that Coneheads has some really good songs on it. I do remember that much.
1: I'm excited about that one. I, have, right. I have fun memories of that. Um, we'll see if it holds up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, uh, Libby, where can our listeners find you on the internet?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Libby Cudmore or on Blue Sky. Uh, Just look up my name if you're lucky enough to get a code. Um, Or you can find me over on the Misbehaving podcast. Season 3 is underway. So we're having some fun with that. Joe, where can we find you?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at Cordial Wombat. I'm also on Blue Sky at Cordial Wombat. And uh, if you want to hear me yell about Christmas movies all year round, you can find me on the Christmas creeps podcast. We just recorded an episode about mobile suit Gundam of all things. Oh my God. But if you want to yell at us for any reason, you can find us on Twitter at OST party. Uh, you can email us anything you want. ostpartypod at gmail.com. All right, folks. Well, that does it for the OST party. So uh, for the OST party, I'm Joseph Wade. Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. I want to believe.